to make this announcement. I am not the pastor of this church. Please do not judge this morning, okay, on this church. So, uh, and usually what happens to me, uh, what uh, your pastor gets brave enough about every four or five months to give me a Sunday. So I've got months to build up and then let you have it and uh, and get out of here. And uh, so anyway... Uh, I always like to talk about what's the closest to my heart and then what's things that have been kind of stirring within me. And uh, I think of all of, you, all of you, if they would interview every one of you here that know me and they asked you to just describe me in one sentence, I think I know what most of you would say. You know, all right, I, I, I might be surprised too. Most of you know that the book that I read, that I've read, I still read excerpts from it. I've probably gone through about 4,000 copies of it. I beg people to read A Life That Matters by Ron Hutchcraft. I beg Christians, I will pay you to read that book. Okay? I just got 60 more in my car. If you don't have that book, ask me when the service is over. I'm going to needle you till you just can't take it any longer. Now, the man that wrote that book, I'm on his mailing list. And what came in the, what came in the mail just set my tone for this whole year. And here's what came in the mail. 2020, the year of hope. And I love this, and here's what he did. I got a, every year I get a calendar from him. And every year he's got a different theme for the whole year. And so, you know, you can imagine why this lit my fire. So his uh, whole vision for 2020, for the entire year, was the year of believers telling their hope story. Every one of us have a hope story. Amen? Now this is the year we're going to talk, okay? Now here's what I love about this. I ran some off. I'll put them on the back table. There's one for each month. One great concept about sharing your hope story. And the thing about sharing, and, and by the way, okay, oh, I want to do two things. This is all, please go to this in your bulletin right now. Take this out. Now, don't you dare throw this away, all right? I spent a lot of time making this up, all right? You can summarize the life of Christ by saying, Jesus what? Told stories? And he asked questions. That's what I do. That's what we all do, right? We ask people questions and we tell stories. We tell our story. We ask people, tell me about your story. And then we can kind of weave in how his story gets in the mix with my story and yours. And I love this. So, obviously... 
our number one story is how we came to personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of you know I went to church for 20 years, never missed a Sunday. I had religion and I had church, but I didn't have Jesus. There's a lot of people out there like that. Okay? So, when I came to personal faith, Easter week, that first year in college, my first day, I told my first hope story. Because people came, kids came up to me in college and say, what has happened to you? I used to tell everybody where to go and it wasn't heaven. And uh, they saw this, don't, you, some of you didn't get that, but that's all right. Uh, they knew something happened to Jerry, so I started in. So for 65 years, I've been telling my hope story. But what I wanted to encourage you with this is, we've got more than one hope story. Look what I wrote down here for you. Sometimes God brings something beautiful out of a hard situation in our life. That's a hope story. Sometimes God has helped us to overcome a habit or a weakness in our life. That's another hope story. Have you experienced God's comfort during a painful or a difficult situation in your life? We've all had some of those. Have you ever experienced a time when God met a pressing need in your life at just the right time? Have you had a special answer to prayer? Have you experienced being reconciled with somebody when you, God has healed a relationship that has been damaged? Haven't we all had one or something, a lot more than one of those, haven't we? So those are all hope stories that we can tell. And many times we can tell one of those stories before we even tell our hope story about how we came to Christ. And one of our other stories can whet somebody's appetite to want to know. In other words, they can see some of the things that have happened in their lives. And then they can hopefully eventually come to where well, I can tell you one of my hope stories, hoping that it'll lead to, I can tell you the most important hope story, and that's when I came to personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. My youngest son was here this weekend, and he's gone now, but uh, he re when I looked at him, you know what I thought? <laughs> well, a lot of things I think well, about my younger son, but anyway, my wife was expecting him when we were in a freeway accident going from Portland to Seattle, two cars went out of control, crossed the medium, and we hit, I hit both of them. And when the ambu two ambulances came and took two of my boys to the, for the amb first ambulance, took my first two boys, and then the second ambulance took my wife and I. And my, she was expecting my son that's been here and the first guy that came by the accident came over to my car. He said, I can't believe you people are alive. What a mess all over that freeway. My kids were bleeding. I was bleeding. I got a cut underneath my chin, hot blood running down my neck. I was sitting there, oh, Jesus. And I really did. I said, Lord, if you're through with me, 
you know, I'm ready. Well, is it obvious he wasn't through with me? But isn't it wonderful to have that, you know? But that's another one of my stories. How many of you have stories? And you, and by what, and I, did I just perk your thinking by giving you this sheet? Don't throw that away. Okay, I'm going to ask you, have you still got it? You better have it. Okay, all right. Then please pick up one of these. I love this. The skeptical world we're living in, what are they looking for? They're looking for living proof. You know, when I was, first came to Christ, people wanted to know, is it true? You know what they want to know now? Does it work? What's it doing in your life? How's it manifesting in your life? How's it helping you to cope with life in your world? That's what they want to know now. How would life be different if there were no Jesus in your life? You ever told somebody how life would be different for you? I've got all of this is listed. These are awesome sheets, you guys. Now I'm going to put them out there. Now don't you dare not take one. All right. In fact, this even stimulated me too. Some of you saw this several weeks ago in the Daily Bread where Barney when he takes those national surveys that he does all over the country, only 7% of Americans talk about the spiritual things in their life. 7% even talk about it. Bring up anything. Well, I hope that that's not us. So you can see why when I got my new calendar... Just, just stoked my fire. So I wrote up, printed up all 12 of these. Oh, I, and you'll just be challenged by every comment that's on here will help you as long as, as well as the one I had put in your bulletin. Now tell me, Jerry, I got that. All right. So this has been an interesting week for me. Uh, last, I, last weekend, I always tell you to pray for me when I am not here. Last weekend, I spent in eastern Montana. I was further in Montana than I've been since I was in high school. And I taught for two and a half hours on Saturday morning, helping to hopefully train a group of people how to be more effective in sharing their faith. And three little churches went together. I got to teach all of them and then preach on Sunday morning, and I just had an incredible time. And I flew from Spokane to Seattle. They don't have a flight to Billings out of Spokane. So I had to fly from Spokane to Seattle, and Seattle to Billings, and then the pastor picked me up and took me another 100 miles east. Our warmest day was two. And I was definitely one of God's frozen people when I was there. <laughs> Many are cold and few are frozen. And anyway, now the most exciting part about my trip, when I got to Seattle, all, many flights were, all, all the flights with Alaska seemingly were, they were late. And then they were changing gates. 
So anyway, watch your phone. Watch your phone, they kept saying. So I watched my phone, and sure enough, they changed my gate. So I went and then sat somewhere else. And pretty soon I watched it again an hour later. Oh, it's at another gate. And then I sat there. And then pretty soon I went to, I saw my time was at the board. So I went over to check and they said, oh, we changed it one last time. Did you look at your phone? Well, I didn't look at it my third time. Was that your plane right there, the one that's taxiing out? Our next flight out of here is 9 o'clock tonight. I sat in that stupid Seattle airport for seven hours. Can anybody guess what Jerry did for seven hours? <laughs> I know you know what I did. There's nobody in God's green earth that would take... In fact, the pastor, Lee's son... I, I get a kick out of him. You know what he said to me? Because I followed him up because I followed his day up as well as mine. But <laughs> you know what he said to me? Only, only Jerry, he said, I think he said, take advantage of those seven hours. He knows me too. Well, you know how long we'd be here. Do you know how many people... I ran into two couples that were doing missionary work, had two a great conversations with them, and then individual people that I sat down and shared my hope story with. I mean, I was in hog heaven in that, in that airport, you know. And then at coming home, coming home in the Billings Airport, I got there two hours early, there were no flights. The place was just dead until my flight. So I walked into the uh, gift shop. There was a college girl working in there in the gift shop. We're the only one with, we only one around, the two of us. So I had a wonderful visit with her, talked about a little bit about her life and what was going on in her life and told her a little bit about my hope story. And she wanted to know my Jesus. And I led her to Christ in the gift shop on my way home. You know, I'm 85. Do you think I'm still having fun? Do you still realize that every day I wake up, God, when you're not through with me, I'm just praying that somehow, some way, one of my hope stories I can share with somebody today, and I pray that somebody will pass from death unto life because you brought him in contact with me. Isn't that a great way to live, you guys? Isn't that a great way to live? You know? You know, I've been preaching now, and I started speaking at youth groups 65 years ago. <laughs> it's, just, I, it's just painful when I think about it that way, you know? But it's just, look at what, when I look out this morning, you know what I want to see? I want to see a whole sea of you in the next several weeks and taking your little, I don't need that anyway. And I want to see if you ever invite me over, you know, I'll kill for food, you know, so just invite me over. I better find one of these somewhere. May put it on your refrigerator. Just read one a day. It'll fire you up. If it doesn't, we'll just have a committal service for you.
Okay. Not too much hope. Well, I, I've said enough with that, haven't I? All right, now here's the, now in the light of all of that, and in the light of the passage that you had last week, I'm guess, I think I'm guess, the last five verses of Mark 8 on discipleship. Okay, now we're not done with that. So you take everything you heard last week, and then I got on this passage in my quiet time that fit in, so I'm going to use it. Now, take your little, take it out here. I want, here's the passage of Scripture. All right, get, get it out there. Because here's what I want you to do. We're going to look at this Luke chapter 9 passage. And on the left side is my little outline for you. And I want this to challenge us in, in, also in connection with what I've just told us about our challenge for 2020 is telling our hope stories and watch God work. All right. Let's go to the passage, Luke 9. I'm plugging in at verse 57. And if you look at your, you know, I don't usually do this, but once in a while I do, don't I? Just jot a couple of things down once in a while. Because you know what I, what I like to do? Every time I hear a sermon, or you hear one, Where'd you go to church last Sunday? I said, what, they, what was the sermon on? Huh? Mm, mm, uh, uh, well, where'd you go last Sunday? Now, somebody talks to you this week. What are you going to tell them? You'll start with one of your hope stories, won't you? Yes, Jerry. Yes, Jerry, I'll tell them my hope story. That's what I heard in church last Sunday. And not only did I hear my hope story... He gave me a three-word challenge to set the course for my whole new year, since this is the last Sunday of this first month. All right, here's the passage, and oh, how God used this in my life. All right, let's look at it. Uh, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Well, that's nice. How many of you have ever sung the song, I've decided to follow Jesus 
No turning back, no turning back. How many of you ever see? See, like, yeah. How many of you? I threw my pine cone on the fire and sang, and no turning back. Well, that's some of the rest of you, all your smiles. Yeah. How many times? Oh, no turning back, and we keep turning back. Okay. All right. So, what's our key word for the first response here? The first area of commitment in discipleship in this passage, and please add everything you heard last week, Jesus wanted to hit him right square between the eyes and says, by saying this, you want to follow me? I don't even have a place to lay my head. So I want you to know if you're going to follow me, there's going to be hardships. Count on it. There's our word. Write it down. Well, I already got sorry, I already got the word written down for you. But here's a couple of thoughts if you want to jot anything down as it relates to this. Hardships. Jesus wanted them to know right up front that when you follow me, it's not a Disney world. Okay? And that's why all the way through, look at all of Paul's letters. He kept telling them. In fact, one of my devotionals this week. One of my devotionals this week, I was reading about when Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, and he kept telling them, when I came in and gave you the gospel at the first time, I told you, if you responded, there were going to be suffering with it. I told you that. Now he wrote this letter to find out, to find out how are they doing. I love this. It'll help you understand hardships. I ran this off. I'll put some out there for you. Nine-tenths of you won't take one, but that's okay. Unless I stand at the door, lock this one, and there's only one door out. It'll help you. We need to understand that. All the way through, there will be discomfort. There will be rejection. I mean, the more you look at our world today, the more you see there's more hatred and rejection of the Christian faith in what we believe than there ever has been. You can't even listen to the news and, and see what's happening to us. So, he's saying, you want to follow me? Write it down. And look at some of you have gone through hardships I've never gone through. And I understand that, and I know that. And that's why you're an inspiration to me. My little twin sister sitting here. She hasn't felt well for three years. And she's been in a lot of pain. But I'll tell you one thing, she's been faithful. And she's been an inspiration to me. And she understands, you know, we're just not going to come to Jesus and just slide into heaven. We're going to have our times when we're out there sucking dust, right? And we need to hang in there. And that's why we need each other as well as we need to take Scripture, internalize more of it, and embrace that. And embrace a life sometime of discomfort. And sometime we're loving, loving and forgiving difficult people. 
is not always easy, is it? Have you ever had to really love and forgive somebody after some unbelievable deep hurt? That's part of it, isn't it? And all of us that have a story with that, which I won't tell you now, it's powerful. It's just absolutely powerful. So that's what we've got. Now, this is an added thing. This, this doesn't count on my time. But I couldn't resist this. Now, it all has to do with, oh, I'm doing great time-wise now. This, I'm, I'm on a roll. Okay. Commitment. It demands hardships. Well, I'm almost through with that point. But I, you know what came to my mind? A verse that I haven't thought about for a long time. Don't look it up. Just trust me by faith. Philippians 1.29. For it has been given unto you not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his name. That's in the same verse. Not only to believe, but to suffer. Okay. I mean, is that giving it to you right up front? That's not beating around the bush. And you know what's so beautiful about this? When I started to study this, it's been given unto you, that little word in the beginning of this verse is a word, is a word from the noun form of the word was grace. To believe in Jesus Christ is a gift. To suffer for him is also a gift. Why haven't I heard any amens? To suffer for him is also a gift. Do you think anybody needs to have you help them put that whole package together? One put guy put it this way. I wrote this down on my little extra sheet here. Aren't we interesting people? We want glory without suffering, and we want faith without conflict. Don't we? Yes, Jerry. That's what we want without realizing that the gift of believing and the gift of suffering are both proof that God is at work in our life. And look at the people we can help with that that come in contact with us. I just love that. And all of the reward will be because of suffering faithfully. My prayer sheet, I've told you this so many times, you guys are tired of it, but I'll say it one more time. Never in my Christian life have I prayed for so many crushed, broken believers that are going to hell and back. And I lift, I lower them into the presence of Jesus every day. And God give them grace for one more day. Because God doesn't reward us when I suffer for my stupidity. Don't look at me like that. You ever suffered for your stupidity? That's a different ball game, all right? All right, that's Philippians 1.29, the grace 
and the gift of faith and suffering. They both, in the same verse, they both go together. So don't let it catch you by surprise. And then the other passage, this, I, oh, we could have a month on this. And this is because of my Wednesday night group. I went back. We glory. Oh, I did, I'm so stabbed with conviction to even read it. We glory in tribulation. Why? When we're going through stuff, and by the way, the word tribulation has to do with that idea of squeezing fluid out of grapes and olives. Doesn't God sometimes take us and squeeze us, you know, to see what's in there? And so the glory in the tribulation when he's squeezing us, and this is what I know, but this is the glory part of it. Why do we... Why can we do that? Because we know, we know what it's producing. And it's producing endurance. And endurance character. And character hope. God is at work in every tribulation and to try to help somebody understand that God is at work, but he's trying to produce in us endurance. That's a supernatural way to respond or to rejoice in suffering. It's supernatural. It's not a natural thing. All right? And then to look at it in that way. You know what the problem with almost all of us? We want the product without the process. Just look at me and go like this. I want this but I don't know what this is going to get me there. I just want to sit in my chair and be godly. It's not happening, folks, right? Okay. So, at Romans 5, 8, 3 to 5 is just powerful. Look how many tragedies have been turned into triumphs in your life, and not so much in mine, but in many of you that could give me so much more on all of this. Suffering means single-mindedness because we make it a focus on what's really important. So, what are the three things? Commitment demands our response to hardships. Now, quickly, number two. Now, this one really does fit me. Now, look, at, look, I'm reading now. He said to another man, follow me. That's verse 59 now. His dad hadn't died or he'd have been there for helping with the service. He used it. He said, when my dad dies at some time in the future, I'll follow you. And what was Jesus saying? Jesus said, I want you to live in the right now. The urgency of now is I want you to follow me now. Not waiting until your father dies. Okay. You let the, what, where did I write this comment down here on this? 
on this particular passage right here. This was a higher calling yet. Follow me. First let me go bury my father. But he was delaying. He was delaying his commitment. Let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. But you proclaim the kingdom now. We've got to live. I can honestly say this. I'm not trying to just pump me up about this. But I live with a sense of urgency. You know, I'm just, yeah, when you're 85 like I am, I'm sniffing glory, folks. So I do, I'm living with a sense of urgency. And I don't know what another day is going to bring, but neither do you. And a few weeks ago when I saw that guy walk, did you see it on the news? And that guy walked into a church and shot two people. Praise God, somebody else in the church had a gun who got up and shot him. Then there was another church where the guy ran in and shot the pastor. Now, that makes me a little nervous, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> what if some guy came through those doors and shot me this morning, okay? That's why I'm living with a sense of urgency. When did people ever dream that they live in a day when they went there, when their kids got in the school bus and wondered if they're going to get shot at school? Did you ever, any of us ever dream we'd ever see that day, or blow somebody up when you're in the mall or whatever? One of the playoff football games a weekend ago. One of the girls was one of the coaches. Her, the daughter was flying to the game to see her dad. He was coaching one of the teams. And her plane went down and she was killed on her way to the game. Do you think she ever dreamed that that would be a day when she'd face eternity? So I'm telling you right now, we've got to live with a sense of urgency. And that's another re reason why I'm saying that too. Look how many of us have family. And look at how many of us have friends and relatives and whatever. And we don't know where they stand spiritually. This has come up so many times lately, I can't help. I'm not an angel, but I'm starting to harp on this. When we think about people in our life, they're getting up there. Do we know where they are? Do we know where they are spiritually? We know if they're ready. Have we asked them? Can I help you? Rather than getting the phone call and saying they're, go they're gone, I just talked to somebody this last week that got a phone call about somebody in the family that died, and she said, I'm brokenhearted because I never said anything to them after all the years I've known them. Does everybody know where you're going? Does everybody know you're ready? When's the last time you told somebody? When's the last time you said, are you ready? Can I help you? Maybe some of us had some phone calls we could make in the next week or two. We need to live with a sense of urgency. And the time is so short. I just read the book of James again recently. And obviously, here's the verse that hit me. 
What is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Don't say tomorrow we're going to go do this. You say, God willing, tomorrow I'm going to do this and this. And you've all done what I've done on a window pane, going, oh. it was like this. That's your life. Every day is a gift of grace. Every single day. And we need to live in the midst of all the stuff that God brings in and out of our lives. And we need to live with a sense of urgency. God help us. And to see our whole family and friends and the people that God brings us into our life. I can just think of some of the conversations I've had in the last few weeks. But I do live with a sense of urgency. I think some of you have picked that up. But I want to infect you with my disease, okay? It's also on the sheet here, too. Every day, God opened doors for me to bring up Jesus, open up hearts, and open my mouth. That's what we all need to pray every single day of our life, the rest of it. Boy, don't you sit, soak, sour, and stink. Not you, but there's some people out there like that. Okay, all right. Discipleship. Hardships come. It's a gift. Live with a sense of urgency, and one last one, and we're done. This is probably as short as I've been, so some of you are rejoicing already. All right, here's our last point. Oh, I love this. I was a high school kid working on my uncle's farm in Montana. I used to sit on a tractor for 12 hours a day. But the hardest thing I ever did, <laughs> the hardest thing I ever did was when I was cultivating corn, a, a tractor, I was pulling something that, that was going like this, you know, down between the rows. Well, if you got over, instead of whatever, if you, if you got over just a little bit, you're... You're cutting up all the corn. You're ruining it. And you're not, you know, cultivating or whatever you're supposed to do with it on the tractor. And I got so stinking frustrated, I said to my uncle, I can't do this. Look what I'm, I made a mess of this field. He said, let me give you the key if you're going to straight. I wrote this down too. While plowing and while plowing a straight furrow. Now, you know what he told me to do? I know you know what I told me to do. Okay, about 100 yards back there. Do you see those trees? Pick out one. Just pick out one. And don't, until you, you get to the end of the field, do not take your eye off that tree, the one you pick out to, to be your focus. And then just go right there. You, don't you go like that or you're sunk. Just right there, focus. 
got the point? Jesus said that's what disciples do. They can't take their focus. And they're saying, I've got a living Christ, and I need to keep my focus or I'll never make it in the day in which we're living. And that's the beautiful thing about all of this, when you look at it in that light. And I just can't, I don't know why this verse blessed me, the, the whole passage, I love this. No one, having put his hand in the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Remember when Sodom and Gomorrah, when God rained down fire and brimstone, and Lot and his family fled? What did he tell them? Don't look back. Who looked back? His wife. And because of her reasoning, she turned into seasoning. <laughs> Remember that? Okay. She looked back and it cost her plenty. You ever see any of your family? Ever see any of your kids look back? It's cost them plenty. Yes, Jerry. Okay. Hardships. Got it. Sense of urgency and focus. And another one of my favorite verses I wrote down. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are totally his. Isn't that an incredible thought? The eyes of the Lord going to and fro throughout the whole earth just looking for people whose hearts are totally his and showing himself strong in their behalf. Isn't that awesome? Man, if that doesn't bless you, there's no hope for you. Just come up here and lay down. <laughs> oh, well, okay. I've said enough. Got my three words? I'm going to ask you next time I see you. And you know what? Let me ask you a question this morning. Have I, uh, have I said anything this morning, any truth that you think you can pass on? Well, then pass it on then, okay? And let's pray for each other that something will come up even this week where we can tell one of our hope stories, okay? And to live with urgency and take, have a focus like we've never had before and watch God do what he's doing. Okay, let's pray. There's so many of you here that I don't know, so I feel led to do this uh, as our heads are bowed. Have you personally put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ?
Have you personally asked him to forgive you and to be your savior? And you know that you've been forgiven and have eternal life. Do you know that? No, nothing fuzzy. And if you haven't, or there's any doubts, wouldn't today be a great day to settle that? So I'm going to ask you, if you've never done this before, would you be willing to pray this prayer with me right now? I'll pray. You pray silently. I'm not going to embarrass you. You pray silently. I'll pray out loud, and you can pray this prayer with me. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for me and to pay my sin debt. And right now, by faith, I'm trusting you as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me eternal life. And Father, for all of us that know you and all of us that know our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, help us understand that everything you take us through, even the hardships of life, are a token of your grace and their gifts. Help us to live with it with urgency. Help us to keep our focus on the one who loved us and went to the cross for us. And now, I pray for all of us, this will be the best year that we can ever remember. 2020, the year we tell our hope stories more than we ever have until Jesus comes, in whose name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, one last thing. Well, come on. I'll get ready for my next sermon in four months, okay? <laughs> Anybody pray that prayer this morning? Anybody pray that prayer with me this morning? I don't know if you did or not. Thank you. You know, because it's, you know what I like to tell people? If you won't stand up for it in here where people love you, you'll never stand up out there. So thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. It's a great day, isn't it? Okay. Get your good, I'll take those goodies back there and give them to you. And uh, anyway, thank you guys. You're loved here, prayed for here. God's doing some wonderful things, and we're all a part of it. And Let's just pray and encourage one another to press on, okay? All right.